Utah's best sports radio is on the Zone Sports Network. Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is... And it's time to kick off Utah's most listened to sports radio afternoon show. This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Sponsored by Mountain America Credit Union. Guiding members forward for over 80 years. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in The Zone Sports Network. Our next guests are the co-hosts of the very popular radio program entitled The Big Show. The Big Show. This is The Big Show. They call me Hollywood. Here come The Big Show. Big Show. Big show. Ladies and gentlemen, The Big Show. It's a Big Show. Is everybody ready? Uh-oh. Guess what day it is. Guess what day it is. Huh? Anybody? Hey, guess what day it is. Oh, come on. I know you can hear me. It's hump day. Woo-woo! Hump day? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Oh, man. Right? Perfect. It's The Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Jake Scott hanging out with you here at our Vivid Smart Home Arena Studios. Austin Horton across the glass from me. Safely social distancing at home. The one, the only, the eloquent, the vivacious Gordon Monson. (laughs) Hello, Gordon. That's a lot better than what you came up with yesterday, I'll tell you that. Oh, good, good. Better than yesterday's good. That, it, we're, we're headed in the right direction. I'm, I'm happy to hear that. Uh, well, pick terrific. the right words, you know? I mean, you pick the right words, then we get off to a good start. Yesterday, you picked the wrong words. I thought you might like <laughs> vivacious yeah. better, better than gaunt. <laughs> <laughs> I think that is Where did you come up with that? I don't know. Of all things. I was just thinking off the top of my head. I was Here like, with wow. Skeletor Monson. <laughs> gaunt. That sounds like a fancy word. Yeah. And just threw it out there. And yeah. <laughs> skin is melted off my face. Uh, Remember that scene from Raiders of the Lost Ark when that one bad guy gets his face melted off? Yeah. Him? That I, was a gaunt look. That was yeah. a gaunt yeah. look from Most that Most gaunt. Yeah. Very mm. waxy. You know, special effects have come a long way. <laughs> waxy. That's what it was. That had to be wax, right? I, I had a friend who uh, who worked in Hollywood, and he was a special, uh, you know, he, he made up that stuff, uh, various creatures and caric- caricatures and Are you whatnot. talking for, uh, about your relationship with George Lucas? <laughs> he, he worked. He did some stuff with George Lucas. But, uh, Did you call yeah, him Jimmy? He, last name Henson? <laughs> no, no. But uh, he he used he was very much involved in that sort of thing for movies and whatnot, and he had some interesting stories to tell. But my story about him is not that interesting. But anyway, it's it's pretty amazing what they can do with special effects these days. Although some people will have a problem with the CGI stuff. Austin, you don't like it, do you? The overly used CGI? Nah, no thanks. But. Can you always tell whether something is real or not? I mean, before we go way far down this rabbit hole, like, I loved the movie The Greatest Showman, but that was terrible CGI use in that film. Awful. Well, any... what, what, what was the CGI they used in that? Oh, all kinds of uh, costumes and uh, uh, acrobatics, but especially Tom Thumb. 
they the, the way they made him look a lot smaller than he is in real life. It, it, it just looked really fake. Here's Was the he normally like six three? No, no, he's a smaller person. So I don't know what they were doing. Here's here's oh. the thing: any CGI, any special effects, or whatever viewed through the rear view mirror are going to look campy. Just like Star Wars, original Star Wars special effects, it looks really campy. You look at it, you're like, okay, that's a model. I can see Well, that was 77. But that's my, that's my or... point. When you first watch it, you go, wow, yeah. this is amazing. I can't believe they can pull this off. So I, you can look at any CGI and say, well, pff, duh. But if you kind of embrace it for what it is, which is, of course, theater, then uh, I, I don't think you're, you're too disappointed. Right. Well, the first time I saw Jurassic Park, I thought that was phenomenal. The, the effect of all that. And you, I don't know how they got those dinosaurs to do those things. Yeah. You probably watch it now, and you probably say, "Wow, they really. This looks like Roger <laughs> Rabbit. Look at this cartoon <laughs> brontosaurus." <laughs> yeah, maybe so. It's been a long time since I've seen that film, but uh, but I remember the first time. I thought, "Wow, that's that's really cool how they did that." But we do get fooled. Sometimes on film, don't we? Certainly. And uh, what wasn't it, President uh, President uh, Bush? He said, "Well, they won't they won't fool me again." What did it, what was that whole line? Fool me once, shame, shame on, on you. you. Fool, fool me, me twice. twice. Well, won't get fooled again. I will tell you that. <laughs> yes, well, like it's that. when you watch stuff. Sometimes in Hollywood these days, when you see it, you think. Kind of like we used to when we were watching baseball games and guys were hitting 580 foot, you know, home runs, and you're going, "Okay, is that real or is that uh, enhanced?" And a lot of times that's the way it is when we watch movies. When I watched a movie last night and I thought, "Okay, how did they do that?" Because they're obviously using camera angles and whatnot to 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 make it look uh, more like what it is than it actually is. So. I don't know. I uh, I just I thought it was in my mind. I'm sorry, Gordon. I I'm trying to send Austin an email. Keep speaking. <laughs> Why are you sending? He's in the room next to you. I know. With glass between you. But he's. Uh, I need. Uh, yes, that's exactly what it is. I'm trying to send him a link to something. Oh, and okay. ever since right. the earthquake, and I don't want to complain because we've been through a lot lately, but ever mm-hmm. since the, the earthquake, the, the internet hasn't been the fastest around here. Well, Again, I was, I was, not complaining because, you know, we're broadcasting. Yeah. Yes, we uh, are. But just uh, I, I, I'm having trouble sending an Austin. I was surprised last night when they had that little uh, shake down in uh, Southern California that people responded the way they did because uh, wasn't it like a 3.8 or something? And they, the, a lot of people were tweeting like it was some big deal. I thought most of the folks down there were used to, uh, I mean, 3.8, that's noticeable, but it's not like it's, I don't know, that big. Well, let's, you, let's not get judgy, Gordon. We're all, oh, okay. on, we're all, all, right. all on edge, all right? And well, I didn't appreciate it when every Southern Californian, <laughs> uh, yourself included, in our midst after our last earthquake went, well, if you lived in California, you'd be, you know, just fine right now because everything's great. You know, no, wait, uh, we, whoa, whoa, we whoa, Utahns whoa. didn't enjoy that. No. So I'm not going to, in turn, uh, pass judgment on another community dealing with an unfortunate situation. A 5.7 is, that, that, that's, that's nothing to scoff at. And that's what we had here, right? I didn't even so. stop drinking my Senka uh, when that was happening. I'm from <laughs> south of the 205 in uh, Las Cruces, man. There is no 205. Las Cruces? <laughs> New Mexico? 
How are you now? All right. Uh, so anyway, yeah, so I'm not going to judge them for having an earthquake. Like I said, everybody's a little on edge right now. Hmm. Yeah, all right. People uh, people are happy, happy we haven't had a significant af- aftershock for a couple of days, right? Well, it has been. I don't know. I hear creaks and stuff. I, I, I just Every time I, I, I'm to a point now where I think, uh, and there's probably been hundreds of them, haven't there? Uh, yeah, there have. There's a website you can go on and, and see all of them, actually. Um, Gordon, all right, before we get to the, the, the split story of the day, before we get on with the show, and we've got a, a big one today, by the way, a big day on the big show. Phil Rosenthal is going to be on the show at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. Old friend of yours, I believe, Gordon? Yes, Phil is. I've known Phil for a long, long time. We'll talk to him about the Bulls documentary, uh, the NBA, amongst other things. And then at the top of the 5 o'clock hour, David Locke, our good friend, is going to be on the show as he is each and every Wednesday. But i got to say, Gordon, I went through your latest column. I, I combed through it, as I often do. And, I, I, you know, I thought it was good. It was reliving the finals uh, through, uh, of I guess, the Jazz Bulls finals through your lens. I thought it was nice, aptly described. But I've got a couple of thoughts. Okay. Uh, first, we you know you mentioned uh, the movies Titanic, Sophie's Choice, and Old Yeller, and I know you've been watching movies a lot, but we got to get you on some some more positive movies, man. I know we can't move around like we we used to, and we can't you know do some things like jet set off to random islands like you like to do, but we've got to we've got to get some more uplifting movies going on in the Gordon Monson household. If people well, have suggestions, uh, we're, maybe we're, mixing a comedy we're willing there. to hear. But yeah, maybe <laughs> maybe something a little more, you know, positive, uh, just, to, just to keep things buoyed a bit, right? Well, I haven't seen any one of those three movies, but those were three movies that fit the 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 scene of I was building there in the column. So You could have I, said that, that things were rough for jazz fans reliving these moments. You didn't need to include three just... <laughs> horribly depressing movies and it just you know you've you've been talking about watching some downers so let's let's get you some uplifters okay that's fine with me uh we we started i mean i have been watching so many movies a movie every night uh so uh, yeah i'll take i'll take suggestions if somebody has something that uh is uh, a little more lively and upbeat last night was um was uh, Casino Royale, the first James Bond movie ah, with Jimmy Daniel Bond. Craig. Uh, with Daniel yeah. Craig in it. So You know in the book they were playing bridge? Not Oh, were they? Mm-hmm. Hold them. But anyway. So, uh, you know, I noticed, uh, you know, when you go back and watch a movie that you haven't seen for a while, and I think that movie came out in 06, uh, he he is the most physical of the Bonds, isn't he? I mean, he a lot of running and jumping and physicality going on. I I couldn't see Roger Moore doing all those things. But see, my problem know? with him is he's softer than all the other Bonds because he allowed softer? his heart to fall in love. Man, that's not Bond. No, Bond, Bond has Bond fallen does. in love before. Nah, not real. Yeah, Sean not Connery real love. Fell in, yeah, Sean Connery fell in love. But he moved and, and right along after that. That's why. That's why you knew she was going to die. But but anytime, he was able to move any, on and do another movie. This well, Daniel so, Craig version is oh she's gone. What will I ever do? Punch what do you a mean? guy. He's, he's done three more since. <laughs> he's still pining over the same guy. Exactly. Yeah, I'm with Austin. Well, there. I mean, get over it. You're Bond. A- move a- on. A- anyway, Ava, Gr- Ava Green or Ava Green. What's her name? 
She's she's uh, worth un- uh, unforgettable. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> well, mix in mix mix in a, a like miracle or something, something that's going to brighten your day. Hmm. Well, something rousing, huh? Well, if somebody has an idea, please okay. share because so, we're all looking for stuff. Positive movies for Gordon uh, at Jake Scott Zone at Austin Horton at Gordon Monson. And then here's my other thought. Now, now for those of you who haven't read it, Gordon's column talks about the this um, the Last Dance, the documentary with Michael Jordan, and how it's going to culminate with a, a difficult moment in jazz history. And Gordon, you went through uh, game by game that that particular finals. But let me just uh, let me just read this part. And, and I'll give you my, th- my thoughts. Uh, they won game one in overtime in front of a packed house, a crowd that included Jack Nicholson, Woody Harrelson, and Gary Shandling. That's right. Hollywood came to Hooterville. Now, I read this thinking to myself, what on earth is Gordon talking about? What what he's, he's calling Salt Lake Hooterville? Like all sorts of things come to mind. I'm reading that that particular that particular line, and I thought to myself, like, what? This has got to be something. So I took my career into my own hands and decided that that decided that I'd go ahead and Google that, uh, and and discovered that it's a reference to not not just a TV show, but an episode, a particular episode of a TV show. The TV show was called Petticoat Junction. <laughs> And the particular episode is called Hooterville vs. Hollywood. So you got it backwards there, uh, Gordon. But the show debuted January 21st, 1964. <laughs> Petticoat Junction. I'm not that old. That's good stuff, man. You're referencing a specific episode <laughs> from a TV show that I never heard of from 1964. Is it made in Salt Lake, that episode? Was that why? I I really don't know. Hooterville does not sound overly complimentary, by the way, to our town. You jerk. I just meant that it was, you know, an out of the, uh, not a, a huge metropolis. You Bunch know. of backwood country folk out here in Hooterville. <laughs> we all know why. Do we have a stoplight yet in 1997? I'm not sure. We all know why you picked that particular reference. Every single one of us. And just because it happens to be about? an episode of some random TV show from 1964 does not make it okay. Does not make it okay. First of all, I have no idea what you're talking about. You take things that I say and write, and you add meaning to them that were never intended. Petticoat Junction, huh? Hollywood came to Hooterville? What were you aiming for? <laughs> Just a smaller town. You I have know, no problem and- with Hooters. Hooterville. <laughs> It's not what you think. Joe Baird, Joe Baird let that through the gate? No, that was yeah. PK back then, wasn't it? No, Hooterville, I'm talking about this. this oh, thing. this is that, today's this column? This is today. <laughs> not in 1996? No, this is today. This is what Gordon just wrote. It is currently up at sltrib.com. No quotes from, uh, I don't know, Mary Poppins for us there in the piece? Because that was... The top grossing movie of... 1964. 1964, and would have been a much more relevant thing to reference. <laughs> than Petticoat Junction. Was, it, was Mary Poppins really 64? <laughs> yes. Wow. Top grossing movie. Just a couple years back there. 
And <laughs> and listen, here's a little tease. Listen at the bottom of the hour at 2.30 when we do the band of the day because I've got something in store for Gordon and it's going to have to do with this. Let me just put it that way. Hmm. It's not right. great. Hooterville. It's just a joke. It's self self uh, deprecation. It's you know, it's how is it self deprecation? Because I'm I'm making fun of the town I love. Hollywood you know? is who who's your first love? Hollywood or Hooterville? True. Hollywood came first in this one. <laughs> hey, give me Hooterville, all right? I mean that's where I want to live. That's where I see. Do see, there it is. See? No, no, it's right here. I like it. But see, what I was making it was a double thing because <laughs> You like Hooterville for the mountains, do you, Gordo? No, no. It was just it was. There were two things going on there. <laughs> no, no. We knew. Ex- no. We know exactly what you're up to. No, and no, again, no. just because it was some episode of some TV show in 1964 does not make it okay. No, it does not no, make because, it okay. No, this is what I'm saying. Is that's the way the people in Hollywood would look at us as just being bumpkins out here. And so it was it was it was acknowledging the fact that that's the way they would look at us. But we're able to laugh that off because we know how good it is. Why not Hollywood versus Bumpkinville? (laughs) Because come on, Jake, don't 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 narrow my imagination here. Come on. It sounds like you meant the haves came to the have nots is how I No, no, no. That's not the implication at all. It's. Going from from you know the sophistication and the glamour of Hollywood to out here in the sticks. Exactly. So now you're calling Salt Lake City the sticks. Well, no, I mean, it, it, you, it, you it, keep your freeways. No, I, I, we understand it, we, what condescending point you were trying to make. <laughs> I just want to know why <laughs> no, you was, why you picked the making, word Hooterville. And I, well, make, I know why you picked it. <laughs> it was making fun of the way others might look at us. But it wasn't, it was meant sarcastically. How so. many people do you think looked up, what, Hooterville, what, what's he talking about? <laughs> I'm betting one person, and he's right here with me. Oh, come on, when you, when you read the word Hooterville, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? <laughs> not, uh-huh. not, uh, what, Petticoat Junction. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Petticoat Junction, man. It had, it had, I think uh, Meredith McCray was in that Nin- one. Who the hell? 64. <laughs> Meredith who? <laughs> All, right. All right. I didn't even really think of Petticoat you know Junction. Who, you know who was when I wrote Petticoat that. Junction? <laughs> Adam West. Oh. Oh, really? Yeah, apparently. I don't that. see him in the list. I just looked it up here. He was in... Uh, this particular episode. Huh. Well, maybe it was just a guest appearance. I don't know. I don't know who's actually in Eddie Albert, I guess. Anyway, it's not what you think it was. It was more what the your your typical, you know, clean living person would think it was. Not to any you guys gotta tawdry everything up the way you do. We're not tawdering anything. Did you- Gary Shandling stop by Drucker's general store on his way into Hooterville? <laughs> Get a sarsaparilla? (laughs) Shine up his spurs and head for the dust? So you weren't even aiming for a a, a random old-timey reference? You were going straight pervy on the thing? You're not even disguising it? 
Well, it wasn't. It might have been. You know, I, I remember when I was rather young watching Petticoat Junction, and maybe it was lodged in my mind somewhere. But I, that's that that was the connotation, not what you pervs think it is. I uh, love it. Here's you, uh, Shasta Trailer tweeting in. Great minds think alike. Uh, you Shasta Trailer says a key character in the Hooterville vs. Hollywood was Dr. Clayton Harris, played by a dapper pre-Batman Adam West. <laughs> <laughs> you are something else. That's Adam, all I'm going to say. Didn't Adam West later in his career like do uh, adult films or something? Did somebody say that once? I don't know. Austin would probably know that. Austin is not googling no. that, and that, I wouldn't that know is, it. That is not. And happening. you're not helping to turn our thoughts away from why you chose Hooter. Now, if you want to say Adam West was uh, a character in Family Guy, which is a cartoon <laughs> geared toward adults. Best role of his career. Then then maybe you'd be on to something. But nobody is talking about Adam West's adult <laughs> film career. <laughs> Except that for the man that penned Hooterville. That is something, you know what? I, I, Gordon, I, we have no idea why you don't just Google some of this stuff because you've got a computer right in front of you. Well, you've got your own internet, so please Google Adam West's uh, film career post-Batman. But but Austin and I, we're, we're going to go ahead and remain employed. <laughs> okay. okay. All right, all I've right. I've had I Mike thought... from IT call me in the past. I don't know. It's <laughs> not a pleasant Mike. phone call. <laughs> we don't need Mike on the horn. <laughs> I, I mean, it, it's. Uh, I've read that somewhere. That's the only way. I, I, I don't know idea whether it's true or not. I never really saw Adam West. In fact, I've never seen Adam West do anything other than the Batman series. So what do I know? Oh, Petticoat Junction. I bet there are listeners to our show right now, listening this very moment, who have seen episodes of Petticoat Junction. <laughs> I've never even heard of it. You know, usually when you say, I'm surprised like, the internet Usually had it. when you say, uh, like, you know, Dobie Gillis. All right, I've heard of Dobie Gillis. I, I've heard of Maynard G. Krebs. He's played by the same actor who played Gilligan. You know, I've, I've been there. Warren Beatty was randomly in Dobie Gillis. Like, I've heard, I'm not, like, unaware of things that have come before me however i've never ever ever heard of petticoat junction hmm. well it ran all during the 60s so i mean I th- there are people out there who probably know that i mean they might be a little longer in the tooth than than maybe some of our other listeners but heck you know they, they remember uh, vaguely you know i mean there, there were all kinds of shows back then that people watched you know the original maverick the uh, what, what else? Uh, Have gun will travel. You know all those old time shows. People, you know, people remember those. Oh man, somebody, somebody. <laughs> uh, it was Finn. I gotta give. I've got to give our boys Finn credit for this. Oh man, he just said with names like Hooterville and gals skinny dipping in a water tank. I have no idea why Gordon would like a show like that. And he includes a gif of the opening credits, and it is. It's three gals and a dog. <laughs> skinny dipping in a water tank at the shady rest hotel i have no idea what you're talking wow. about wow wow i have no it's idea no wonder that reference really sunk in with you <laughs> it wasn't even meant that way it wasn't meant the way you're making it sound and it wasn't directly tied to petticoat junction it sounds right? like it sounds to me like Adam West's adult film career <laughs> began actually before Batman. <laughs> oh, you got to start okay. somewhere, Jake. 
man, Petticoat Junction. No, Petticoat oh. Junction was in the days back when uh, Dick Van Dyke and Mary Tyler Moore couldn't even sleep in the same bed together because they were married. They had separate beds back then. You know, I mean, it was a different world. Yeah, uh-huh. black and white world. Unbelievable. All right, well, coming up next. <laughs> that's really what you took from my column? <laughs> yes, that's what I took from your column. I'm, I'm offended that you referred to my town as Hooterville. <laughs> Hooterville? <laughs> it's my town, Like a too. bunch of one-toothed, uh, hayseed-chewing <laughs> folk. <laughs> No. Boy, look at them. They're Hollywood stars coming down here to Hooterville. <laughs> Hope they stop at Smith and Edwards. Hey, leave the good folks at Smith and Edwards Guffey, out of this. Look at the Hollywood coming. <laughs> Maybe the most incredible advertising campaign that this market has ever seen. <laughs> you are something else. I was, I was suggesting that everybody from Salt Lake... It's a <laughs> skinny dipping in a water Maybe tank. Maybe I'll huh? finally see one of them automobiles. <laughs> That's exactly what I took from your column. That's it. Uh, sitting on a sitting on the sloop, uh, you know, chewing on a piece of uh, a strand of wheat, you know, with buck teeth or whatever. Come on. That's shame ex- on you that's exactly what you did shame on you seriously shame of all shames and shout no, out I to was Sven making, for finding making, that that's amazing I was, I was amazing. making fun of the fact that that's the way folks down there might look at us up here you know it sounds like how you view us up here it's not, not at all are you kidding me I could have picked a lot of different places to live I picked this one because I love it yet we talk about Southern California a lot on this show. No, if I love Southern California, I would stay there. So, anyway, I'm here because I want to be here. Same as you. Same Petticoat, as all of us. Petticoat Junction. <laughs> I think they had like in the in the in the uh, beginning parts of that show. It was a it was like a, a locomotive that was uh, running into town with uh, the train was coming into town in <laughs> Petticoat Junction. Uh, I don't even remember what it was about. Went right past the water tank. We're seeing it here on Sven's tweet. <laughs> what was the show about? I don't even remember. Liar. <laughs> you are something else. <laughs> All right, stay tuned. We'll get to more coming up next. Uh want to remind you about our good friends at Zero Res. The Zero Res No Residue Method continues to lead the industry in cleaning technology. To date, no other method has been proven to outclean Zero Res. <laughs> Call 801-288-9376. That's 801-288-ZERO. I just uh, saw that Bernie Koppel, I guess, was in an episode. The that guy. Uh, Ted's cousin? <laughs> no, he was he was he was, on, he was in Love Boat. Ted Koppel, come on, I can make it. No, Ted Bernie, Koppel. <laughs> right? But Ted. B- Bernie was wasn't he the doctor? He was in Get Smart, and yeah, he was the doctor in Love Boat. Both <laughs> movies from this century, yeah, or both, TV both shows, shows I mean. newer than Petticoat Junction. <laughs> Petticoat Junction was Philo T. Farnsworth's favorite flick. Nineteen sixty four. An episode from January twenty first, nineteen sixty four. Stay tuned, more big show next. Hey, I was I was like thirty then? Ninety seven five and twelve eighty the zone. So put your hands together and please welcome This is Utah's best sports radio. Guess who's back? 
You're listening to The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Presented by Mountain America Credit Union. Guiding you forward on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. I love you. There's nothing to hide. It's better than burning inside. I love you. No use to pretend. There, I've said. <laughs> Band of the day today is Bobby Vinton. This is his number one hit. There, I've said it again. Bobby uh, Fenton. And it's brought to you by our friends at Live Nation Concerts. Buy concert tickets and get the latest tour news and artist insight at LiveNation.com. Do you know why I selected Bobby Vinton and uh, particularly this song, Gordon? Why? Because this was the number one song in America on January 21st, 1964. <laughs> the date of the first airing of the episode of Petticoat Junction, Hooterville vs. Hollywood. <laughs> that Gordon referenced in his column today. I didn't reference that. It's not what I, but whatever. What were, they, what, what were they talking about in the show? What was, what was the reference Hooterville about? I don't know. I, I haven't seen the show. That just was the... Not a library the, in the country has a copy of it. The, the title of the episode. Uh, now, do you really want me to, to torture you with this? Because this is what happened today. Uh, Austin and I were talking. I said, I'll look up whatever the number one song in the country was on the Billboard charts in uh, on January 21st, 1964. And whatever that is, is what we'll go with. <laughs> And that was Bobby Vinton there. I've said it again. Now, this is what's going to torture you, Gordon. Not two weeks later, two weeks later, the first week of February, do you know what the number one song in the country was? What? The Beatles' first number one hit. Well, it got a lot I want to hold your hand. Now, if your your old reference were just two weeks younger, you wouldn't have to deal with Bobby Vinton today. Yeah, well, things got a lot better once the Beatles' music arrived. Oh, I like Bobby Vinton so much better. Oh, please. Oh, I'll never forget. I saw uh, when the Beatles uh, were on the Ed Sullivan show. I watched that live and uh, on TV, and just uh, did you watch I, it I, right I, after Petticoat I, Junction? I remember it clearly. I remember sitting there and watching it, going, "This is what the the craze is about, huh?" So anyway. Man, why does Ed always have to inter- interrupt Petticoat Junction? Why couldn't they just air it back to back? <laughs> Oh, brother. Uh, anyway, so Bobby Vinton is your band of the day today, Gordon. You enjoy that. You, You're you, really going to make everyone suffer through Bobby Vinton You basically songs? selected it. Oh, okay. I apologize. Uh, Gordon, we uh, we had somebody tweet us about this yesterday. We had, uh, we had seen... Um, uh, some kind of uh, we had seen the comments from David Aldridge talking about the Jazz and Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell, and just summing up, basically summing up the the uh, what David Aldridge was saying was there may have been issues with Donovan and Rudy, and that the Jazz may have been thinking of moving off of Rudy Gobert before 
uh, all of this COVID stuff took place. And, of course, that's one person, David Aldridge, who has been connected to the NBA for a long time, but more or less is expressing rumor. So I don't know if we should go about stating it as fact. However, David did bring that up. And Ben Anderson, our friend at KSL Sports, uh, wrote a really good article today, uh, I thought, talking about regardless of personal feelings, the Jazz have a big-time decision uh, to make on Donovan and Rudy their value and how much they're willing to pay. And if indeed that would be maxing out both of them to the full potential, Gordon, that would be 60% of the Jazz salary cap, which is just a wild number. So regardless of the drama, the Jazz have a big decision to make. Well, that's something, Jake, you've been talking about for a long time. You brought that up. You brought that to my attention before I'd even thought about it in any specific way, and you're right. Uh, is Rudy worth 35% of your uh, of your uh, pay, payroll? And Rudy, Donovan, together, are they good enough that they can overcome that? Because, you know, with, with 40% of your payroll left to go to the rest of the team, Gordon, that doesn't leave you a whole lot of room to maneuver. That doesn't leave you a whole lot of room for players like Mike Conley, for example. Right. So they, that's, that's what I was trying to get at over the past couple of weeks, Jake, that I keep getting back to, uh, I think it was Chris Mannix or somebody was talking about filling out the rest of the roster and how the Jazz needed to do that, and I understand that. But those two star players have to be superstars. If you're going to pay them like superstars, then they have to be superstars, the kind of superstar that would find from within himself the drive and the talent to match anything that any of the other team superstars can do. So do you foresee in your mind uh, Rudy Gobert or Donovan Mitchell ever approaching the level effect on a game as, say, Giannis or Anthony Davis or LeBron or Kawhi? I mean, is that what we're talking about here? Do these guys have that in them? Because if they don't, then they're always going to run into somebody who's kind of like that. Unless you believe in that group effect thing and you want to refer back to the 04 Pistons. You know, it's just... Which it's, is tough to do if you don't have the money. Right. And so that, that's, that's why these decisions are so difficult for, for Dennis Lindsay and whatnot. On the other hand, you can fall a lot farther than you can climb up. And without those guys, you make the wrong decision. And let's say you, th- you think, okay, is Rudy Gobert really worth 35% of, of the payroll? Um, uh, let's, let's let him go. Okay, so what are you going to do when teams start dunking on you? you know, are you going to replace him with someone who's better, who's more effective than he is? Or do you like being sort of in contention in the West sort of loosely? I, you know that those are those are decisions. Those are real decisions that player personnel people have to make, and they may not have a team that's good enough to win a title. They may talk about wanting to win a title, but they're not quite good enough. But they don't want to finish eighth, and so really, that's sort of what the Jazz might be looking at. Unless Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert can really find a way to continue to progress to the point where they can lead a team to a to a championship then you're in then you're in in style you're you gotta you're what you want to be 
So in some ways, I get it. You've got to surround those guys. But you're also working with a limited amount of money because of the amount these guys are going to be making. Now, I do think that Donovan Mitchell, the decision on him is more of a no-brainer than Rudy Gobert, and that's no insult to Rudy. Donovan's a little younger, plus he's still in the rookie. um, It's not technically his rookie contract, but he's still in that process. And his uh, his extension, max extension for Donovan Mitchell would be about twenty five percent of the salary cap, which is a significantly less number. So the more and everybody knew, everybody knew they were going to do that ever since his rookie year, right? I mean, be, so that's yeah. easier, right? Yeah, that's an easier decision to make. Rudy's more difficult because he has qualified for the super max contract, and I'll give Ben Anderson a lot of credit for laying this picture out at uh, kslsports.com. Get this, Gordo. Eleven players have qualified for the super max deal. Uh, with the the results of those contracts varying widely. The players who have qualified are Steph Curry, James Harden, John Wall, Russell Westbrook, Kawhi Leonard, Anthony Davis, Damian Lillard, Kemba Walker, Kyrie Irving, and Giannis, and now Rudy. So keep that in mind. That's the that's the people that have qualified, so that's the caliber of player he's being measured against. Uh, ben goes on. Of those 11, five players have signed Supermax extensions. Those contracts were signed by Steph Curry, James Harden, John Wall, Russell Westbrook, and Damian Lillard. Of those five, four deals were signed in 2017, which was the first year that a deal was eligible to NBA players. Only Damian Lillard has signed a a super max extension since. Now, those others who qualified Gordon were either moved or left for another team and thus were not uh, did not qualify for that Supermax deal. So that lays out the history of the Supermax, which granted is not extensive, but Ben's right. We do, we, we've we seen various success in there. In fact, what would you really call a success story? Steph Curry? Would you call James Harden a true success yeah. story? Probably, yeah, right? Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. that's fair. John Wall, not so much. No. Russell Westbrook, not so much. And Damian Lillard, we're finding out. Yeah, we're finding out. So, would you rather who would you rather have on your team, Damian Lillard or Rudy Gobert? Damian Lillard. Is that terrible? More, I, you know, people you're like more likely for I mean, for the Jazz to have Damian Lillard and not have Rudy Gobert. Do you think they would be they would edge closer to a championship with the rest of the roster staying the same? Yes. Well, you've got some duplication there, obviously. Yeah. So, and you wouldn't be able to afford probably some of the guys who are on the roster. Well, that's why I'm saying if you had yeah. Damian Lillard, you wouldn't have Mike Conley. You'd be using that money well, elsewhere. The duplication in uh, Portland has not won them a title yet. Right. Yeah, that's why I'm saying when you read when you read off those names, I thought, well, Rudy, you know, he in a lot of ways you can say that Rudy is more valuable to the Jazz than some of those guys are to their teams. In fact, a lot of people would say that. And yeah. we'll, we're going to talk to one, probably, I would assume David would, would take Rudy in this argument. We should ask him at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. But Locke has been you know, very firmly in the Rudy being significantly underrated camp. So maybe he would have a different opinion. You asked me mine, and, and that's just my opinion. Um, well, I, but you could argue that the Harden thing hasn't worked out all that well in Houston because he takes up so much of the cap, it's hard to surround players like that. So you could say that, yes, that worked. 
except for do we know has it worked? And similarly, Steph Curry, who signed that deal, well, now the Warriors don't have any room to do anything else. So how successful will that be going forward? Yeah, and when you bring up James Harden, it's not just the money that's dominating the team. It's the way he plays. And that could be seen as ultimately detrimental, even though he's a a tremendous offensive talent. I get that. But he has to have the ball. Rudy doesn't have to have the ball. And he can be – I would say that Rudy is as dominant defensively as James Harden is offensively or pretty close. You can make that argument. The the difficult part of this whole thing to make the decision, Gordon, is the consequences are fairly steep. Because if, let's say, you you give Rudy the Supermax and then decide that Rudy's not a good fit with Donovan Mitchell, Rudy has enough value that you probably could trade him, but you'd have to take back. I mean, we're, we're talking about Rudy making like $50 million a year. I mean, think of the contracts that you'd have to take back just to offload Rudy. What, did, what, uh, what are the Wizards going to have to do to get out from under John Wall? I mean, yeah. And, and, well, you know, if you were going to trade Rudy Gobert, Jake, you would have to get an absolute star player in return uh, because if you don't, then, then you might as well keep him. Uh, yeah, I would take Rudy Gobert over a couple of uh, kind of nice players who are not necessarily superstars, but they're, they're good. But in the, you know how that usually works out in the NBA. The team that gets the star player in the deal wins the deal. I hear you. And I'd take Rudy Gobert over the vast, and I mean vast, majority of NBA players. That's but, why it's but so what, important. But at what cost? That's yeah. the point. Because well, that's, why, that's why those guys have to continue to develop, and whatever rift is, exists between them has to be solved. It has to be solved in order for this to work. Otherwise, it's gonna they they got to go back to the drawing board and do some of the things that you're suggesting as possibilities. And if they do that, unless they get an absolute slam dunk player in return, then how long will it take them to rearrange what they've been building? Well, the difficult part, too, is they have a time clock. They've, they've got to get it done in a certain way or make the decision in a certain window of time, which has got to be why it's not it's, – it would be frustrating to the Jazz if there's no playoffs because there's still more information to be fed into that decision, and they're on pause right now, which doesn't make it, things any easier. And one, of the, and one of the things that adds mystery to it is I think both of those players are still on their upward arc. I, I, some people say – Rudy is is peaked. I I think he he can perhaps get better still. Uh, Donovan certainly can get better. Hmm. All right. So, well, I, so now now you're in a point where in a situation where you're sitting around the table looking at each other, going, "Okay, everybody, let's guess how good these guys will become." Right. Well, let's hope it's a little more than a guess, but yeah, I I certainly get what you're saying. All right, we'll have more coming up next. Stay tuned. It is The Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, we've got what's going on coming up at the top of the 3 o'clock hour. Phil Rosenthal, the top of the 4 o'clock hour. David Locke, top of the 5 o'clock hour. It's all straight ahead on The Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. (music) 
our good friend David Locke. There's people who disagree with me, but I think Rudy's a terrific offensive player. Is he a good offensive player in the sense that you can give him the ball, he can go score? No. But the league's defenses, number one thing they're trying to do right now is take players off the rim, okay? Rudy Gobert is third in the league at 409 shots in the restricted area. I don't give a crap how he gets them either. Does he get them on an offensive rebound? Does he get them on a lob? I don't care. I'm not buying the narrative that Rudy needs to be a better offensive player because if guys could get shots at the rim, they would, but they can't, and Rudy can. Wish I had some. David Locke on the show last week. David has been very consistent with that opinion. Welcome on back. Big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 of the zone. And Gordon, I certainly get what David is talking about. But one thing Rudy cannot do is create his own offense. And how valuable is that when you're talking about a supermax player, which, of course, is the conversation we've been having thus far today. Especially in the modern NBA where scoring points is so important. But David makes a point, and it wasn't in that clip, but you know, David says he doesn't care how you do it, offensive rebound, lob, whatever, a dunk is still the best shot in the game, and he's right about that. But And, uh, and you add that with what he does, the defensive end, and uh, that, that, uh, that uh, importance for a club you know, starts to stack up pretty high. Right. So none of those players that we mentioned earlier, having qualified for the Supermax, was... just a defensive player. Neither, and and by the way, Rudy is not just an offensive, or not just a defensive player. But some of these guys were definitely just offensive players, and that would have given me pause to signing any of these two Supermax deals. So, you know, I guess the, the truth is in the eye of the beholder, but how limited is Rudy offensively? I mean, David doesn't feel like he's limited or like that's a factor. I don't know if I'm coming 100% along with him on that. Especially when you're judging at that level. That level. That's, yeah. that's all we're judging by. We're judging by, are you, it, can you pay this player 35% of your salary cap and be a title contender? Right. And that's really what it comes down to. And the funny thing about that is that the two players who talk about winning championships are those two. And so, but they got to get paid. Right? So it's the age-old question of, yeah, I want my money, but I want to win too. And so how's that going to happen if you have limited resources to spend around you? So what kind of responsibility are you going to take on yourself to make it a reality? Mm -hmm. That's why what Kevin Durant did was so crazy to me, because most of the time the the only players you see really make like, I'm going to sacrifice some money to go build a title contender historically had been – you know, has-beens, right, or, or players that have already made their, quote-unquote, made their money, right? Usually that first contract after the rookie process, uh, not the first extension, certainly would be included in this logic, but most of the time we, we would see players go for as, men, as, as much as they could possibly get. Kevin Durant didn't do that. Actually, LeBron, to a certain extent, didn't do that as well and went to for winning, but usually you see that in older players. I don't think... I don't think Rudy's given anybody a discount. I think Rudy wants to sign for his maximum value. And that's just my speculation. I don't know that for sure. But I would guess that Rudy wants to get paid. It's a matter of respect. People laugh when you say that because he's already made under a $100 million contract. But it matters so, to those guys. It matters to Rudy. It does. It's a matter of respect. It's a matter of uh, 
they're going to pay me what I'm worth, and that's how you measure your worth. But I I don't know. It's a, it, we're, we're in rarefied air now where we're talking about players who can absolutely bring a title home, and it seems like there's so few of those that is he one of them? Well, and this, well, this, but but again, we, Jake, it goes back to what are we what are we measuring against? Are we measuring against championships, or are we uh, looking at the risk that would be involved in falling off the cliff if it doesn't work out, and then you're way back at the bottom again, you, or near the bottom, here's and what, now you've got to come up with another plan. Here's what you don't want, Gordon. You don't want the John Wall scenario and and set his injuries aside for a second because that's not fair. He wasn't living up to that contract well before those injuries and at their best the Wizards were going to be middle of the league. So, but they were so capped out they're not signing anybody to make their team any better. So John Wall was not worthy of that contract even though he had met the the specifications. He wasn't good enough to carry 35% of the salary cap. He isn't good enough. Uh, now, especially after injuries. But again, I'm talking pre-injury John Wall. Would you have told me that that guy uh, could lead the Wizards to a title? No, I wouldn't no. think so. No. He, he, was pretty, he was pretty good, though. But we're talking the standard of the best of the best of the best. Can yeah. you beat the best when you're the one making that kind of salary? But, but and French, I know that's unfair but, to look at it, too, but that that's facts. That's the way but, of life. But franchises are up against it because they think, okay, we've got this player – we don't have other players. This is the player we have, and so we got to run with it. That's why right? you've got to make the decision sooner rather than later so you can salvage some sort of value at, regardless of what you decide to do. Which is why the relationship between those two players, Mitchell and, and Gobert, is so important. That if you're going to commit those kind of resources, then those two have to be able to work together. Otherwise, it's counterproductive. Or maybe but they under- use it as an excuse to cut bait. Yeah, but uh, where does that send you? It depends on okay, what you get so, back. Okay, so if, if, yeah, if you go ahead and sign them, and then let's say you're the fourth best team in the league, well, that's a lot better than being the 20th best team in the league. That's That doesn't sound like you, Gordon, who just last year around trade deadline time was saying it's either title or nothing. No, I know that, but it's easy for me and you to say that, but it's a different when you're when you're managing something that you want to have a competitive team, it sucks to get your head kicked in, you know, game after game or or to finish, you know, to have your best hope being barely qualifying for the playoffs. And once you find yourself in that situation, if the Jazz were to do that, then how long is Donovan Mitchell going to stick around? Right? Right? These are all, I think, more, you know, these things we're talking about uh, are our all more relevant to the overall jazz discussion, I think, than some hurt feelings with Donovan and Rudy. No, that's well, just they, my, they, that's just they, my they, opinion. They have to be able to put it together and work together and, and, and develop themselves, continue to do so, because the more they're paid, the less the jazz will have to pay people who would be brought in to help them win. So they have to be able to do it themselves. If they're on or, the same uh, team. Yeah, if you are, and if you can work together. They have to. And that's why that relationship is so very important. I mean, look, they, the Jazz had Malone and Stockton, supposedly two of the best, uh, the best at each position, and that wasn't good enough, you know. But the Jazz weren't going to trade one of those guys, right? Are Are Donovan and Rudy those guys? Well, they're the best the Jazz got. 
Not, not, that's not a great answer to that question. Well, I mean, it's... Because they would have but, but, paid but, but, those guys not, that, I'm yeah, looking, but are these guys those guys? But but I'm not looking at it from a standpoint of me and you saying, hey, okay, you got to win a championship, a championship or bust. They're sitting there trying to run a basketball team that's respectable and respected and do the best they can to put the best product that they possibly can in Hooterville here. Uh, you know, in respectable position in the league. And they, you know, they, this is they sounding can't. like a very familiar point I might have made when we were talking about whether or not they should ship the entire franchise to to Memphis for Mike Conley last year. Well, I'm, I'm looking I'm looking at it from a perspective of someone other than myself. Okay, Be, okay. because I I think you should go for the championship, but that, that it's easier for me to say that than for them. This is empathetic, Gordon. But but here's the other thing: they can always hope that these two can ascend to that level. And then what you do, you fill in the cracks as best you can. And Didn't a, a wise man once say you can hope in one hand and spit in the other? <laughs> I think it was me that said that. <laughs> yeah. This is this is tough. And you That's know why so much of this comes down to these guys looking at themselves in the mirror and saying, how good can I become? How hard am I willing to work? How far can I take this? Well, this is uh, these decisions are why I bet Gail says, "Man, I'm glad I hired smart people." Well, yeah, that's, <laughs> because that's right. th- these are really tough decisions, and you're talking long term, short term priorities. You know, the financial element is complicated, let alone the rules of the league. I mean, this is these are these are tough decisions that you hope are made by smart people, and that's been the whole, I guess, um, uh, mantra of the, this Jazz franchise over the last 10 years is hire the right people, put them in place, and let them go to work. And this is what they got to work on. And well, it's, it's not a easy. T- it's, a, it's a moving target. I mean, because you don't know. What, that's one of the reasons, as you've brought up, that uh, the, the truncated season this year is difficult because the Jazz were going to learn more over the next yep. 18 games and then through the playoffs. They were going to see, okay, how far have these guys come? Donovan's that, that, that's going to happen. I mean, I get that, but how far can Rudy come? How far? How well can they work together? And I think that's one of the reasons they collected the the group that they did because they wanted to see. And not, I don't know whether they really thought that they could win a title this year, but but if uh, they went we, to your point, if they went on, got hot and went on a run to the Western Conference Finals, maybe this, this decision is a lot easier. Well, remember when we talked to Gail about this. And she said, I think her, her exact, her, the paraphrase excuse me, quote was, uh, I don't know if we'll do it this year, but maybe by next year. But this year was to set up next year, I think. Hmm. And so it's been shortened, and we'll see where it goes from here. But they, they need to know. Does the decision about Rudy have to be made this offseason? It uh, doesn't have to, but he's under contract next year. He's eligible for it this offseason, and they can negotiate throughout the year. But, I mean, you know, uh, the the Chiefs aren't leaving Patrick Mahomes dangling. You know, they're going right. to sign him at the first available opportunity, and, and it probably won't be that easy with Rudy. But See, every team has to make these, these decisions. Uh, you know, the Chiefs have to ask, okay, how many more, how many championships is Patrick Mahomes going to give us? And we're going to give him uh, a, a, a world class, in fact, uh, the highest ever contract or whatever. Uh, they, they, everyone's making these decisions about what they have, and in some cases, they don't know what they have. Yeah. Uh, so they got they got to guess, and they make themselves vulnerable by doing that. But that's 
That's the best they can do because it's a moving target. And that's why they have to solidify that relationship because the only way the two of them are going to win a championship together is if they do it together, if they work together, if they if they, if their relationship is solid enough to weather the the buffetings that come along uh, in that pursuit. All right, coming up next, we'll get to what's going on. Uh, Lieutenant Governor Spencer Cox was on the station with Hanson Scotty, uh, made some good points. We'll uh, get you, uh, let you hear a few of those. And then Trevor Riley was on with DJ and PK and had a funny response in regards to the NFL draft. So we'll get to that coming up next. Stay tuned. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280, The Zone.